Oh, shit. It's Café Fuerte. This is our second to last official episode. Um, if you haven't caught up yet, uh, please check out one through six. One through six. Um, I'm extra excited. I'm actually really happy that we didn't have you early on in the show because I feel like now we're a little more seasoned and we get to have a real ass conversation with a real ass woman, a real ass creative. So I'm mad excited. Um, pass it to Nick. It's Nick. Well, I'm excited to do this because I met Lalo at the, um, what was that? It was like a boiler room backyard, like uh, Rosie Perez situation. Yeah. And um, Amy had been telling me about her and I was like, oh yeah, whatever, she's cool. And then we drove over to, um, is it Sally Roots or is that, we, ro- we, we rode over over there because they were having this amazing party. And um, she was just talking about being a mom and like something that she said that was so inspiring to me was that once you become a mom, like you just stop caring. Like it's just you, you literally don't care about what people think about you. And um, I just was so excited after that to interview her. So I'm really excited for this interview today, needless to say. <laughs> um, so DJ Laylo, you know, I'm going to ask about where the name came from. We did. We had like a really intense convo. But before we even get there, like, you know, if you want to introduce yourself, feel free to. We don't, you know, no pressure. Um, but well, we're about to hit you. I just want to say what's up yeah. and uh, thank you both for having me. Uh, I am really excited. I love talking about this stuff, you know, and, and just ciphering. Um, I think it's, uh, we all need it, you know, like we oh, each yeah, need it session. respectively. And I know others um, do out there. So I'm, I'm excited to be here with y'all. Right. Yeah. So we're going to start with the first hit a, two hit a quitter. So one is how you take your coffee. You know, I'm hype already because you complimented my coffee. So how you take your coffee? And what age were you when you lost your virginity? Um, so my coffee, a little bit of milk, a little bit, and just one sugar. And uh, uh, New York City, Amy's coffee is banging. Um, La Greca is <laughs> popping. Uh, La Greca is popping? <laughs> That's Nick's Greca, but I take all the credit. Go crazy. Um, and the virginity question, I think I was 19 or 20. I love you. Same. Same. Oh, see, I thought I was such a geek when I waited until I was 20. That makes me feel good. I knew Nick since he was 19. That's lit. Yeah, no, and I was definitely on the late boat. You know what I mean? Like, I had a lot of friends that many years before me. Um, but I wasn't, you know, really tripping. Like, I was, I was good. I was, you know, doing other things. I was getting it in. I was being satisfied in other ways. Hmm? Um, what is that? What is that? What is that? What does that mean? <laughs> what made you the, hold off? I mean, I think um, I, I, I don't know how, where or, you know, how I got the, the kind of the sense of confidence, but I think I never fell into the idea that um, you have to do things before you're ready to do them in order to please somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so I just waited till I was good and ready, you know, until I, I was the one that asked, you know, like, okay, let's do this. I'm ready, you know, um, and it happened you know spontaneously but for me I didn't have sex until it, it came from me you know right. I was like you know what all right let's just let's do it let's do it right let's do it like <laughs> let's a do the damn thing. and like <laughs> no nah, that was that was definitely the same for me though um but yeah Nick did you have any no I I well yeah that's what I was gonna ask. I was like so what was it like was it what was your first time like for you like for Amy she sat in the tub 
that was i don't want to tell your story and for me i thought it was like oh my god why haven't people been doing this forever why did i wait so long because i waited till i was 19 i was like why did i wait so long so what was it like what was your first time like um so my first time i was somebody i had been dating on and off for some time um and it was a little bit like this is nice but like i don't know what the big deal is about it Mm -hmm. i my world was not rocked you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> my world was not rocked. So I was kind of like, oh, okay, all right, all right, this is the thing. People do this. Um, I didn't regret it or anything. I also, I rem- the one thing I remember really clearly was feeling like I woke up the next day and I was like, yo, I feel the same. Like, oh. I was expecting to feel different somehow, and right. I really didn't, you know? Right. And so that like- was like, okay, you know, just kept it moving, like. Keep it pushing. Did you guys continue seeing each other after that? Yeah, yeah, we did. We did, and, you know, we did, but it wasn't, like, it never was amazing. But when did it start becoming amazing? Um, Sex became amazing maybe, like, a couple years after that. Um, Not him. Not him. Yeah, <laughs> Kinda no, just going through the roller decks like not that one. Not uh, that yeah, one. yeah, yeah. I am no. going through the roller decks. It's, it's uh. all, listen, shit. I said the same. I was like, it took me a little minute. We all have our count, right? To, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Own um, that shit. You need the count to get to the good shit. Like, yeah, no, for real. I think for women especially, you know, I think for dudes, you know, they have a really different relationship to sex um, mm-hmm. than we do, and and no, nobody like teaches us like about ourselves or our own shit we're not encouraged to even know like you know what our vaginas look like much less what they like you know so Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. you fucking like you know going through the (laughs) wilderness (laughs) trying to figure this shit out and they don't know any better than you do you know like they know less yeah, I mean, they know what feels good to them, but you That's know, it, right? Um, right. So it, it took a couple of, you know, a couple of years, couple dudes <laughs> right, to be like, oh, okay, yes, couple this is tries. what I cannot live without, you right, know? Right, right. Be like, oh shit, this is what it's all about. Yeah. And then when you get there, it's just like, oh yeah. Okay, it's let's like, quit yeah, my job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to sell my clothes. <laughs> There's no other meaning to life. <laughs> so you, your, your main creative outlet is. Music is that safe to say or? So actually, no. Um, mm-hmm. I also do film, and uh, nice. I work in documentaries. Um, and let's see, I started DJing around two thousand, two thousand one, and around mm-hmm. the same time, I also started working on a film mm-hmm. uh, with a good friend of mine, uh, V Bravo, who was like one of the founders and. Um, co-editors of this now defunct magazine called Stress Magazine. Nice. Um, and we worked on a documentary about hip-hop in Latin America for about, it took us like seven years to do. Uh, and we eventually ended up making it about um, an artist in Brazil, one in Chile and one in Cuba. Um, raised money for it, you know, figured out how to make a film because it was both of our first film and then mm-hmm. got it on PBS. Um, and That's then amazing. You know, simultaneously, while I was working in film, I was also DJing. And actually, DJing was what was paying my bills primarily for many years of my life. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was, like, a working full-time DJ, basically. I DJed mm-hmm. from Wednesday to Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we finished the film, um, and then I um, I made Ocha. I was initiated into the Lukumi Santeria tradition um, okay. as a priestess of Yemaya in 2008. 
Um, and I was told, you know, during your year of initiation of your yaguaraje, you can't be in no clubs, you can't be DJing. And mm -mm. I was like, all right, all right. Which, mm -hmm. you know, was kind of to be out. expected, but I also did have friends who were DJs where they had like, exceptions made and allowances. So I was, mm -hmm. I had been hoping that, that, that I'd was be what one of those too. people that could right. still, you know, and it was like not very clearly, you know, for, for my own reasons, for my own path, like I couldn't be up in the club. Um, and so I was like, well, damn, this is where I'm paying all my bills from, you know. So how do I make it work from yeah, here? Yeah, and so I mm -hmm. had like a little bit of a gap. But then basically a couple months after I made uh, Ocha, I uh, got offered this job. Um, and mm -hmm. that's been my full-time job to this day. I've been there since 2009. It's a film production company that's based in Harlem that does documentaries. That's beautiful. I would have never run. guessed. Talk about fun fact. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. POC Run, yes. POC Run. Yes, yeah. I love that. Um, you know, telling our stories. A lot of our work goes to PBS, but other, you know, ends up in other places. Uh, the founder of the company is named Stanley Nelson, and he's done films like, um, he, his last big film was about the Black Panther Party. Yeah. Uh, it was that Sundance was one on, on, on PBS, PBS, right? Yes. That was my shit. That's I watched that film. one. That, I that was also in theaters, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, wow. yep, recently. Um, you know, I many was almost other just about to watch it yesterday, and I, I ended up watching the Maya Angelou PBS mm, instead yes, of the yes. Black Panther one, but I love the Black Panther yeah, one. That was yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's our film. I worked on that film. It might, it might be kind of weird to say, but it sounds like it sounds like because of that break, is it put you on a path that you were supposed to be on. Yeah, yeah. I think it definitely... Um, you know, shifted. Like restructured it almost. Yeah. Um, and then after I started working there, after slowing down with DJing for a full year, you know, like New York, it's like if you're out of sight, you're out of mind. Right. right? And, and it's like yep. you fall off, you fell off. That's Shit. it. Um, That's fact. And then I, ha I got pregnant with my first child, you know, um, and that was, I had some complications. It was a difficult pregnancy. So then it was like an added reason to not be doing a whole lot. So during his pregnancy and his, you know, the first few months of his life, I was also not DJing. Mm -hmm. And I basically did not come back around to really DJing until a couple months after I had my daughter. Mm -hmm. um, that's, my daughter's now four. She's almost five. She'll be five in December. Wow. Um, so these last five years is that I've been DJing again after like a couple year break, you know. Um, so there's a little bit of a journey. But the thing is like, so and I, you know, I'm, I'm working on a film now. I'm doing a documentary about a 24-hour daycare center in New Rochelle. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. New York got it all. Hold up. How does that work? Yeah. Can you talk about it? Yeah, for sure. Um, so think about when you go to, you know, Target at 11.50 on, you know, Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Like, there's people working there, right? And those people got kids, and their kids need somewhere to be, right? So wow. the daycare, basically, um, most of the people whose children are there are single mothers. This particular mm -hmm. daycare is all black and Latina women. Mm -hmm. um, and it's people that, you know, work either sometimes two, three jobs, you know, because mm -hmm. nobody will give them, like, full time. Everybody wants to give them, like, Part -time. 20 or, yeah, 25 hours so right. they don't have to pay health benefits or whatever. Right. People can't get by with that, so they start to work two, three jobs. These jobs don't care about people, and so there's these really irregular, non-standard hours, you know. Right. 
I mean, you know, you're a single mom, you know, if you don't got like family that's able to help you, you have to find care for your kids. And, and other people are, you know, folks that work like for the MTA, transit jobs that have overnight shifts or nurses that have, you know, so it's a real range of women and right. like careers and life stories. And for me, that's, I'm really interested in that, you know, right. Um, right. you know, just like thinking about how, like, what is it like when to provide you know, financially for your kids, um, it compromises your ability to provide for them, you know, emotionally, like with mm. your presence, you know, that this, these are the choices that people have to make, that yeah. our people have to make, that women in our community have to make. That for me is like something I'm really interested in exploring. You know, like uh, there was something that Trump had tweeted, not that he fucking matters or should even exist in our conversation. But yesterday he said something about how the Puerto Rican people right now from what they're going through, they're lazy. And I think that's a narrative that's been pushed on people of color. It's It's been pushed on black people when, you know, in the 50s and 60s and then Puerto Ricans in the, fi in the 60s, 70s. And, you know, now the Dominicans are coming more into our culture. I don't want to just say that, but it's like you could say like, you know, the these Caribbean people usually were pushed on as lazy Mexicans. Oh, you have 17 jobs like a Mexican, but we're Caribbean and then we're lazy or we're black and we're lazy. And so you saying that it's crazy because while while you were telling us this about the 24 hour daycare, what blew my mind is that we really got to make shit work regardless of what and you don't even understand what that does to a child like i spent the first five years of my life with a babysitter because my mom was working and my mom was a vp of a, a danish bank but you know she was still like she had to get up at four in the morning and my dad had to be up at eight so i had to make sure that i was at my babysitter's by a certain time and i would go to sleep either stay there overnight or they would pick me up at like 10 o'clock at night and i would have to get up seven o'clock in the morning do the same thing so like being a product of that our people have every single time figured it the fuck out. So like to sit here and say that we are lazy is like the way you were just breaking down. Some people have three jobs, four jobs. How how is that lazy? Yeah, like we're the hardest motherfucking working people. We're the salt of the earth. Like nothing would happen without us, you know. And that's a fact. You know, they could say whatever they want to say, but that's that's a fact. And we not even we settle, but we we get so little, and we have to fight for just that little bit. That's crazy to me. Do you understand? It's like there are women of color that probably know businesses better than the people that own them, and we're getting paid less. Oh, yeah. And just we have to just take it. It's just like take that. But all right, what is that? It's a structure. It's a society. It's what it is. You know, it's, it fucking blows my mind and breaks my heart. But that was, that's real. I'm so excited about that documentary. But you know, the thing, the, the flip side of that community that is really what made me, because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm obviously interested in all of that stuff. Um, that we just mentioned and, and, and what that means for children. But I'm also really interested in like what it means for the mother, you know, mm -hmm. in that situation. Like you, you're walking around, you carry so much um, guilt and, you know, burden and heaviness. It's just like heavy, you know. No, I. Yeah, it's like nonstop, nonstop, you know. But in your mind, like, you know, you get caught up in like trying to figure and it's just like a day in and day out every day is not cut the same way but we're constantly stressed out about time like time is just something like we try to fit as much as we can and certain like psychologically I, I can see how it 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 weighs on women in ways where it's like it affects us sexually and and even desires and things oh, yeah. that we want to accomplish ourselves and and oh, goals yeah. we want to meet you know for sure no, like, for me, I went through a full, like, at 11 years old, like, a breakdown of, like, not fucking with my mom. Because I was like, you weren't there. 
so like why are you you know like how are you gonna come now and like be a mom like she stopped working when I was 11 to like focus on you know being a family was after 9-11 and I was just like nah like you're not my mom you know like, you're my mom by birth but like you weren't there you weren't like taking care of me when I was a baby so how are you can you know what I mean and it sucks because she was working her ass off and she a Latina without her high school diploma figured out how to make six figures six figures she was working her ass off so like now as an adult I could look back and be like mira de gracia like you know fucking have some respect but you know at the time I'm like how you gonna tell me you know what I mean like mami Nereida was there you weren't there you know yeah, and I mean that's real like there's sacrifices and compromises and all of that has an effect it has an effect on everybody you know and then we don't even have the time to like notice the effects much less deal with them or process them or address them and then like mm -hmm. You're guilty about, you feel guilty about that. You know, say like one more thing to be like, and you know, at the end of the day, it's like, as, as a parent now, it's like, I've realized I can only do what you the can best do. I can do with whatever resources I have at any given time. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's all. I'm not going to get it right. Yeah, I'm going to fuck up my kids. Everybody fucks up their kids. <laughs> that's like, that's it. You know, like, that's that's the right that you have as a parent. You that? know, like, Everybody fucks up their kids. You know what I mean? Like, I just set up it's the so account cute. now for therapy, right. you know, try to teach them really early that therapy is okay. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with therapy. We all need it, you know? Mm -hmm. So that when they're ready for it, it's here. <laughs> Toma, vete. You know, this is the contact information. Go get it. You know, because I'm, I'm sorry in advance. I have a nervous breakdown, then who's gonna take care of them? Right, you know what I mean, that's not so I gotta do your nervous breakdown. You still gotta figure right, out what exactly. the fuck to do. Like, I'm I'll be laid up, you know, with 104 fever, and I still gotta get up, get them ready, take them to school, you know, what I mean, go to work, feed them, whatever. Like, there's times where all three of us are sick, you know, and, and I still have to take care of them. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I could have a That's virus, a be diarrhea, vomiting, and I still got to take care of them. You know yeah. what I mean? So I can't, I don't have, I don't have the luxury of breaking down or falling apart. You know what I mean? Right. So, the so you got to surrender a little bit and yeah. let go, you know? Absolutely. Who is, who is the woman that you looked up to growing up? And uh, where is she now? Um, so uh, growing up, my mom's, um, I remember really early had this one experience that like really marked me um and you know i'm i'm the oldest of four daughters my mom was also a single mother um and uh you know d from the dominican republic growing up at this point in, in time we were living in in harlem and um she was in between jobs trying to get some you know some public assistance and things like that and i was about maybe like seven or eight and going into places to translate for her um, and seeing people be really disrespectful to her, you know, yeah. in these offices because they were annoyed that they had to go through a kid, you know, because I was a young kid. And just that whole dynamic um, for me was like this moment of like, it, it built up a lot of anger in me because right. for me, my mom was the shit. Cause my mom was fly as fuck. Like, like fly, I love you know? that. I love that. Fly, like I want my kids to talk about me like that. Like, I love like that. you know, fucking heels like and shit with spikes and leather and fucking you know pelada de, de cabeza acida, like you know really? symmetrical shit. Yes, in the eighties. You know, she my sound mom. Bomb.com. She sound like she needs to be in a music my mom, video. My mom, we came in eighty three, and so I mean, she was. 
fly as fuck, right? And then the thing is that my mom is funny as fuck. Like, to me, I always say if she had been born under a different set of circumstances, she would be the Dominican Richard Pryor. That's so funny. You know what I mean? Like, she is funny. Her timing is impeccable. She cares and, like, you know, is up on, like, social shit and, like, makes connections. But she's, like, real and accessible, you know, like, so dope. So for me, my, my, my mom was beautiful. She was smart. She was funny. And then to be coming in these places and people disrespecting her and, and making her, like, belittling her, you know, for me was, like, I think that's, you know, some of those kinds of experiences that I had early on is, like, what led me to seek out, like, social justice work, you know, as a teenager, right. you know, because I had all these experiences of seeing my family members be treated less than. Is there a particular type of disrespect that stands out to you that kind of you have to like come to terms with, but like that really affected you? Was there a certain situation? Yeah, I mean, definitely those situations with my mother and translating and having people um, be just very rude and very disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there was a situation when I was about 12. My uncle had just come from the DR, mm-hmm. tall, dark skinned Dominican dude. And I remember um, something had popped off in the neighborhood. And when I'm like turning the corner, about to go in my building on 139th Street, the police had stopped him and they had him like up against the fence and they were like roughing him up, you know, because, um, you know, he fit the description. And, right. But he had yeah. been in New York for like three, four days. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't even speak English, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but he fit the description. Like things like that along the way, like, like, now when I look back, I realize that, like, I was an angry-ass kid, you know? Because that shit would, like, whenever things like that would happen, I'd be really pissed off, you know? Yeah, no, I I think that I can relate in a sense of my father. Like, my father is, when I see people disrespecting my dad, and I see how hard he works, my dad's a fly motherfucker, and my father is funny as shit. It's like, you say your mom is, like, the Dominican Richard Pryor? My father is literally the Puerto Rican Richard Pryor. Like, he is... He says shit that you just be like, what did you just say, nigga? Like, what? He he has no filter. No filter at all. He'll say the, the craziest <laughs> shit. None. No, I, like, you have to understand, my, my presence to my father is always like, you know, Eddie Murphy Raw, Richard Pryor on, on Sunset, like, all that. So he's, like, the funniest. But when I see people disrespecting him, I'm like, don't fucking disrespect him like I get really angry because it's like you have to consider that this is a man yeah he grew up in New York grew up in Brooklyn but he overcame heroin addiction even as a heroin addict stayed fly like this nigga had he used to have his fun pocket and he had his like bills pocket you know so it's like it takes a for me what I'm what I got from that is like it takes a lot for people to run every day right for for them to get up in the morning or whatever and especially if you have to hustle in this country as a minority the last thing that you need is people disrespecting you because you still got to deal with yourself when you go to sleep. You got to deal with yourself when you wake up. So somebody telling you or making you feel less than, you start to believe that shit. So I, I'm, I'm listening to your story about your mom coming here in 1983 and thinking to myself, like, damn, I wonder how many years it took her mind to be broken down slightly to be like, I'm a nigga. You know what I mean? And that's what this country sees me as because it's like I grew up with that rage. So when you say I have this rage, I can identify and be like, I have that rage in me that's like, I'm a nigga. And sometimes I tell people, and it, it affects me, and I battle this. I call it CPD, color people disorder. Like, I really battle, like, am I worthy of that? Should I, can I say something? I'll be in a room full of white women, white stylists, because I'm, I'm a wardrobe stylist, and be like, 
I want to say something, but I just, I don't want them to look at me and be like, that would be the nigga perspective. You know what I mean? But it's like, it's true. It's, but then at the same time, we bring all the culture. We bring all the style. We bring all the fly shit. So it's like all that shit that you fuck with, black people made it. We made it, you know? So it's, it's just an interesting, I, I could a hundred percent relate to you when it comes to that. Like I don't, I don't play when it comes to my dad. That's really crazy, though, how you, like, as a kid, I, I can only imagine how helpless you felt, too. Like, you wanting to turn the fuck up on somebody for violating your mom. Like, how dare you? But then not being able to do that, like, yeah. how did that affect you having to witness something and feeling helpless? I feel like, you know, it's interesting how you're trying to get that perspective from another point of view. It's almost like to to heal that kid witnessing someone that you admire, this larger-than-life personality, be made into, like, a regular person. Um, I have a question though. How do you overcome that unworthiness? Because I I still deal with it, and I'm I'm a couple years younger than you. And there are times where I just have to like give myself a pep talk or cry it out in the shower, and then just get out and be like, I'm okay, I'm good, I'm better, I'm alright. How do you overcome that feeling of unworthiness? Um, I mean, I I don't I don't think I could say I've overcome it. You know, I think it's probably gonna be like a, a lifetime's worth of work. Um, I do know that. Some of the things that have helped me along the way have been um, being in really strong community with other sisters, you know, um, mm -hmm. and having, you know, just having people like to, to prop you up and hold you up and be that mirror, you know, and just yeah. and, and give you the pep talk so it's not just you giving it to yourself, you know what I mean? Um, that's been one. The other thing for me, honestly, has been my spiritual path. I mean, that for me was like just life-changing and transformational on every, you know, step of the way. And so I really feel like a spiritual practice is like one of the, the illest tools, weapons that we can use as people of color to survive and thrive in this shit, you know, um, right. whatever that may be, like everybody has their own path, but I feel like that's been something that our ancestors use for a reason. And it's like, we should look to that you know what i mean like find something because it's the metaphysical stuff that's important to add to the physical stuff you know what are some of the spiritual beliefs that you have that help you with that um or practices right. or practices yeah so um you ain't gotta give us the juice you know yeah, what i'm saying no, but I just can't give you right. the, juice, you know? <laughs> the only reason that these traditions have survived is because we keep the juice on the low yeah it is i mean otherwise you know yeah, because all of the, like, African-based traditions have been persecuted, you know, from right. Santeria to Voodoo to, you know, all of it. Um, but the one is that there's a whole other level of community, you know, in that space. Um, and it is a, 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 a it's, it's, you're working on a layer of yourself that is, I believe, obviously there's people that are atheists and I respect that, but my beliefs are that as a human being, you have your physical needs, you have your emotional needs, you have your spiritual needs, you know, like there's layers, Absolutely. you know, and, and to be able to feed that in community um, with a body of knowledge and rituals and rites and practices um, and science, honestly, not to get all like nation of guys and herbs uh -huh. or nothing, but but there is a science in all the African-based traditions um, that, is, that comes from our people, that right. comes from a place of we are divine. We are created in the, you know, in the, in the image of the divine. Like, it's not like 
going through something else where, you know, the way that it got to you was through slavery and colonialism right, or whatever exactly. like this comes from our people, right. you know? So it's like, for me, the, 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 at the end of the day, it's like about being like a life affirming, you know, life affirming for me, for my children, for my community, for my people, you know what I mean? And in the Lukumi tradition, everything that you do is really based, like the idea is that everybody has a kind of like a destiny or a purpose, if right. you will. Right. And everything that you go through, initiations, ceremonies, rites, and things like that, it's all meant to help you align to your purpose, you know? Like, cause life comes and throws this at you, throws that, so you get all like, you know, like a chiropractor, you know, que te <laughs> That's the, you know, that's the idea. And so that's how it's been, you know, for me, I, I feel. Like I know now, looking back, there are things that I feel like I probably would not have survived if I didn't have, you know, my spiritual community and, and, um, and traditions to, to get me through it. And therapy. I started going to therapy a couple months after I had my son because my marriage was already in crisis when I got pregnant. And going through like a pregnancy and a birth when your marriage is falling apart wow. is no joke. So I started going to therapy. And that also, because it's like you were just talking about healing the little kid that saw the stuff with their moms, that this, you know. Like, all the stuff that's going on in our lives right now is cliche, but it all goes back to our childhood, you right, know. Right. And, and you can kind of like... Um, peel, you know, like peel the onion back in therapy if you find, you know, a space that you feel comfortable in. I wonder, though, is if you, if there are, like, parts of you that, like, emulate a lot of what you admired in your mom that have kind of, I mean, naturally, we are, we become who we are the most around. Um, and you mentioned your mom, you know, being four girls. Was it four girls? And her being single and being fly as shit. That alone already kind of paints a picture as, like, of who I'm sitting in front of. Do you feel that like that marriage that didn't go so well, was there something attractive about him that was very similar to maybe the habits your mom had as a woman and the choices in men that she was into? Or, I mean, I don't know if your father was in the picture or if you know anything about him, but I wonder like if the man that you married was the same type of character that your mom would have been attracted to. Like if you're just kind of recycling or looking for very familiar love that isn't like always healthy love. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And it's uh, funny because, I mean, I'm going to try to be, like, not super long-winded about this, but um, my father lives in Puerto Rico. My mother, so before we came to New York, my mother lived in Puerto Rico for 10 years. Your dad is Dominican? Dominican. My mom is he Dominican. Was like, I'm my out. dad is Dominican. Right. And they met like in Puerto Rico oh, okay. um, and had me in Puerto Rico. So I was born in Puerto Rico. What? Yeah. Check you out. I came out. when I was three. Right. Um, okay. And so, you know, with all the hurricanes and all the devastation that's going on, and my father and I don't have the best relationship, mm -hmm. um, but for a lot of reasons over the last, like, I would say couple years, I've been thinking about how to make amends and you know mm -hmm. whatever mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and it's interesting because i was trying to i had started trying to call him like the most recent attempt of making contact with him right. was in late august before irma hit and i would call him and i wouldn't get a response and i was like okay i don't know what's going on and then i tried to call my brother i couldn't get him then the hurricanes happen and i finally like i go through like google to get this information whatever this whole you know investigative thing i find a number i get in touch now with my father, with my brother, 
and I find out that um, I knew he was sick, but that his illness has progressed pretty quickly. Um, and so I'm like, like I've been trying to get in touch. I haven't been able to. Puerto Rico is like devastated. My pops is worse than I thought he was. So I'm like sitting and all of that, all the emotions of that, right? All, yeah, all of it, all of it. Um, and so I've been thinking about this a lot. And I think like, in terms of your question, I always went for dudes that I thought were the complete opposite of what you know my my father and my stepfather were, um, and um, it turns out that like on the surface, yes, I was going for different people, but layers beneath, there are some very fundamental similarities. Um, that were not, you know, as a young woman, were not very, I got married really young, I got married, I was 24, um, that were not visible to me. Is it safe to say that's, that's kind of when it popped off for you? Is that why you got it? <laughs> I got married, right? I got married. Yo, I was like, this conversation is too serious for me to ask, but like, damn, I'm glad you asked. Yo. I married the nigga, I married him. <laughs> <laughs> I to get down on one knee. All right? I would have proposed, like, baby, we gotta, you know. Um, so yeah, so I, I do think, like, you know, my, my type had always been artists and activists. So I thought, like, oh, I'm doing this very different thing than my that's, mother. That's Amy. Amy. Amy said if she walks into a living, if she walks into a guy's room and he doesn't have any books, she's walking out. Which I, I feel her. Me own. too. That's a good. That's good criteria, though. That's, like. Yes. Unfortunately, they all have the same book. So, like you said, layers down, you're damn near dating the same fucking person. But that's another story. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, and all that layered stuff is is hard to see. You know, it's hard to see because you're thinking up here, and right. then you're like, oh wait, but um, and some of that stuff you don't really find out until you, you know, until shit hits the fan. Or, you know, until you make real kind of um, commitments together, you know, then it's, you, can't, you can't really know sometimes, you know. Um, so my latest thing is, like, I'm trying to date Herbs now. No, don't, don't date no Herb. I'm joking. Don't do it. Okay, good. I, I was about I to say, but I don't know. Yeah, don't I don't know. Herb. I'm joking. I, I can't. I mean, I can't. But, you know, right. I, I do think it's important to really go out of your way to date people that are outside of your that. comfort zone. Absolutely. You know? Otherwise you're keeping this cycle that yeah. you'll end up losing your damn mind. Um, do you, how do you like find the strength to like love again unconditionally? Even um, with all that, like knowing that shit, you look good, but are you the same guy? <laughs> if I peel you away, <laughs> it's like, I want to love you, but like, and still come to terms with that, that if you find somebody that's very similar to someone you had in the past, like how can you still love unconditionally even with, um, I mean, I could, I've been not I working could, out. I could wax poetic about it, but I haven't. I love that word. Fall and I haven't fallen in love since my divorce, so I could say a bunch of shit, but I haven't really been tested. You know what I mean? So I don't really know how capable I am of loving unconditionally again. A man. I mean, obviously, my kids. You know, I'm in unconditional love every single day of my life. But I don't know. I could give you some things that I've been thinking about, but like at the end of the day, I haven't been tested yet. So I don't really know. That's real <laughs> shit. That's real shit, though. Do you think, um, do you think you're jaded? I don't think I'm jaded. Um, 
think my perspective right now is like, um, I think for me what it is is like I need to, um, I, I just feel like we've been given this mold, right? And everybody and every relationship has to fit into this one mold. And, and uh, like the, the big one is like, you know, marriage and a nuclear family, you know? Um, and my experience of that um, as a, you know, woman who of my age and my life circumstance, I'm not trying to generalize. Obviously, all women can, you know, women and femmes can be and dream of being whatever they want. Not everybody has to have kids, whatever. So I'm not trying to, you know, say, yeah, exactly. My experience has been, um, that, and, and it's been the experience in my family, of the women in my family, my grandmothers, my mothers, my, you know, my titis, you know, me, my homegirls, is that that nuclear family, like, married setup um, is a raw deal for women. Um, what do you mean? I mean, it's like you, it's that setup, you get the short end of the stick, Mm. Um, because you're two people are going into it, you know. Again, like if you're heterosexual and whatever, I, I, you know, I don't want to be like this is just the norm. I, right, obviously, right, right. there's a lot of different kinds of relationships, and I want to be, you know, respectful and acknowledge that. But again, in you know, in heterosexual relationships, I feel like you have two people going into it that um, are coming from completely different, you know, viewpoints and and mm -hmm. value systems for women. And femmes in this world, your value is often determined by how well you can take care of other people. That right? mommy role. Right. That mommy role. Right? Like mm -hmm. if you can't, the idea of take care of your man. If you can't take care of your man, you're somebody less than a woman. Or somebody, somebody else you know, will. whatever. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, for a woman that's a mother, the worst thing that you could tell her is that she's a bad mother. There's no greater insult, right? So, like, your worth is determined by how, well. by how well you can take care of other people. For men, they don't have none of that shit, you know? So they go into relationships... Um, with not, this, with, not with the same responsibility. No, or yeah. the same expectation. And I, I would... And what I'm really questioning now is whether they even have the capacity to really give what we are looking for from that setup. And I'm not mm. saying that from a place of being jaded. I'm just saying it from, like a place of, well, this is what I see happen around me, you know? Um, Absolutely. And so is there some other kind of setup that we could talk about here so that I'm not asking you for something that you can't give me, you know? Right. And then driving you and myself crazy in the process, you know? Mm. And so that's where I'm at. Like, I'm not jaded. Like, I, I love men. I sure as hell still love sex with men, you know? <laughs> like, and I do want some partnership. I just... You know, I think that, again, the nuclear family, the marriage thing, women do so much more and are expected to do so much more to hold that together and are very, very rarely taken care of. There's, you take care of everybody else, nobody really takes care of you. Your, your right. man don't take care of you, your kids don't take care of you, right. like you giving and giving and giving. And compromising and compromising, like and, it's exhausting. And I think this is the way like the creative thing comes in, like as somebody that does need to create to feel like mm -hmm. alive and right. well, like I have to be able to keep something for myself. Absolutely. And I don't know that I can do that with kids and a man. 
Mm. Like, I feel like, you know, they're just going to suck me dry. Like, right. I got the kids, but if I add, you know, right. a dude in the equation, I don't really know, you know? And, right. and I'm saying this again, like, these are the questions. I'm not saying this is no absolute truth or nothing. Right, but, but this, this is, is your truth right now where this you is where are. I'm at. Um, I, I wonder if, like, if we can ever come to a place where it would be okay for women to have multiple partners at a time. Because if we're talking about not being able to get what we need from one particular man, you know, imagine, you know, what we get even within friendships, you know, what I have with a particular friend I might not have with another and so on and so forth. And it's like, I wonder if it's ever been, if we can ever have a real conversation about, you know, women being able to own our, just a sexuality even, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, well, yeah, I got two men. Yeah, I got three men. Or I got, or I don't have anyone with any particular title. But it's like, I don't want to be held responsible for you. But you might not feed my creative side. You might not feed the motivation that I need to get something done. So it's like all these people, um, I guess collectively can help us become better people. I feel like that's only a narrative, a very like masculine or or male type of convo where it's like, oh, we're just men. Um, I like who I like, there's so many women in the world, and that's, we understand that, but there's also so many men in the world, and there's so much that you are lacking alone. So it's like, can we embrace that same narrative for ourselves, you know? Yeah, th those are the kinds of things that I'm, I'm really like, and not from like some utopic, like, you know, hippie love perspective, like I'm just really trying to figure out like, for me, for me, yeah, and, and, and the, what's gonna be good for me and my kids, you know what I mean? like. And really not worried about what nobody else has to say about any of it because when I'm, you know, in my house vomiting with diarrhea by myself, mm -hmm. like, ain't nobody checking for me. Ain't nobody right. calling me to ask right. me how I'm doing or coming over to, you know, rub my head or whatever mm -hmm. or hold down my kids. So I can't be worried about nobody else, you know? Right. So I feel you. I hear that. And I'm like, bueno, you know, you know, like the idea too of like maybe, you know, there's this idea that like, you know, children really need men in their lives, you know, like they need a father figure, they need this or they need the third, like, you know, maybe a dude is really good in some areas, but he's not really good in that area, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, I think, you know, your question of can we ever embrace that is, is a really valid one, you know, and something that I think we should hold as a question and a possibility despite what the world says, you know? Right. Ooh. That was all too deep. I was like, damn. I, I forgot we were recording for a second. <laughs> that oh, my God, that was too good. That was, too good. That was really that good. Was really that was amazing. But um, do you, uh, on a lighter note, <laughs> um, what, you know, what, what would you, we, we usually ask, like, what would you tell your daughter about love? You have one baby girl and one baby boy. Like, how are you going to approach the conversation of, like, love and sex with either of them. Hmm. Um, I think, um, I mean, so the thing that happened for me with when I had my daughter and the reason I went back to DJing was that something about having a daughter made it click for me that it was never going to be enough for me to tell them that you know, you have to work towards your own happiness if they didn't see me doing that. Right. 
you know? And and having a girl made it click in a different way. Like, when I had my son, my mind was, like, like that. I bought into the idea that to be a good mother, you had to be a martyr. Like, you had to forget who you were as a person and hear your needs and desires and be solely focused on taking care of this child. And I did that. And then something about having a baby girl was, like, no, like, I have to live for me so that she has some, so that they both have an example, but it was her that made it click for me that, like, you know, your happiness is your own responsibility. It's not anyone else's job to make you happy. You have to work towards it, you know, um, and that I had to to do that. And for me, DJing is, like, like, there are only two things in my life that I do where I completely, like, am in a zone and, like, just go places and, you know, I'm, I'm like, fully present and fully is that, alive. Is that, like, your alchemy? Is DJing, like, your alchemy? It's DJing and sex. Those are the Shit. only two things that I am, like, fully 100%, like, that the to-do list uh-huh, uh-huh. turns off. Uh-huh. Those are the only two things in my life that are like that, you mm-hmm. know, for me. So I'm, like, I need to DJ and I need to have sex. That's a regroup. Yeah, to regroup and feed myself, you know, um, and so I think, you know, in terms of what I would say to both of them about love is like, you know, you got to love yourself. You got to, you know, be gentle with yourself, um, you know, work towards your own happiness um, by doing the things that you love with the people that you love um, and that giving love will make you happier, you know, that, that love is about giving it and receiving it, you know. Um, the sex thing, I'm, I don't know. I haven't thought about it. <laughs> I'm not ready to think about it, y'all. I don't know what I'm going to tell my six and my four-year-old about sex. <laughs> haven't gotten that far yet. <laughs> that just scares me, for real. <laughs> to have the conversation yeah, with them? Yeah, I well, you know, kids start acting up when they go to school. Well, yeah, no, Playing no, no. And I mean, and I already, but you know, right now the conversation is like, you know, um, privates, you know, you keep your hands to yourselves. Your privates are yours. You can touch your own privates in private spaces, but you don't touch nobody else. You don't let nobody else touch you. It's like, that's my conversation right, right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's where we are developmentally in my crib, you know. Like you said, Yeah, day by day, yo. How do you, um, baby girl, you want to ask anything? I don't want to. You taking it in? I'm trying to figure out where you are because I want to make sure I ask questions that you need to hear. I'm just like soaking in so much game right now and just listening to you and just being like, damn, like, all right, I'm hearing you. And something that really stood out to me is like therapy. Like, Like right now, like you were talking and all I can think about right now is like, I need to find a therapist for real. This is a good ass therapist. Like I never share on our um like in our description that people can go to because it's hard to find not just a therapist but like a therapist that understands no 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 i just don't like know. people I don't that you know can if, connect like, to if, if um you can share therapist information like that can you i don't know i don't know at least like any, a center like, if it's like a place a doctor's no, office it's a, it's a, she's like a private therapist oh. i mean i'll say i have shared it with mad people and mad people to go to her you okay know? so i'm okay. like happy to share it offline share it off air with me i wasn't yeah but i think that it's so important because a lot of women especially women of color we go through things and we just think, talk to your homegirls, talk to whoever, like call your mom, call your sister. And then 
what I'm learning and, and something that I'm experiencing through this interview is realizing that like, I think I spent a lot more of my days dealing with whatever was going on in my personal life that it, it affected my creativity. And so something that haunts me and the reason why I'm saying this on air is because I pray that nobody else is experiencing this, that something haunts you so much throughout your day that you start to fall creatively and you don't even you're not married you don't have no kids you, you don't have you're not obligated to anybody but this issue keeps playing over and over in your head whatever the issue is be it from childhood from your adulthood or maybe accumulated of things that happened over the years which is my case it's like I need to stop for a second and just get help and talk to somebody for an hour and then not fucking talk about it throughout the day and go to work and do what I have to do so you need to kind of get that that's not something you're just going to shake off no you know, no, you gotta. We, and we think that we can just shake it off, you know, and that's like the thing about trauma. Like, you know, when people talk about like your fight or flight, you know, instinct or whatever. It's like you learn as a young child, how your body decides how it's gonna protect you, how it's gonna make sure that you survive whatever the traumatic, you know, event or series of events are. And then that is what happens. That's how you react for the rest of your life in crisis or in traumatic moments. So, these like initial moments of tra trauma then determine how you move for the rest of your life, you right. know? And it's like you by yourself, you can't, it's like trying to do like, you know, long division in your head. Like you can't do a that's long exactly division problem and you like. gotta like write it out. That's and exactly. so that's like what therapy is, for me at least, it's like, you know, and having a professional, like some, somebody that's not your mama, that doesn't have a stake in it, that's not gonna, you know, project because it's connected to her somehow or your home girl because she's thinking about her situation because we most of the time we don't really even listen to each other we're already like thinking what we're gonna say right you know what i mean like have being with a professional who is going to help you arrive at the conclusions that you need to arrive and it's gonna facilitate them it's just gonna ask you the questions and you know prod you that's yo like that's invaluable you know and I'm so fucking mad that, like, you know, they, I mean, I'm mad about so much shit, but that they, you know, that, like, white people have made this thing where it's, like, they, they're the only ones that have access to it, and for us, it's... And we're the most traumatic fucking, yes. we're the ones to deal with the most goddamn, tra like, trauma. Yo, I was overseas, and I was thinking to myself, like, we have, like, America has some of the best, um, some of the best, like, uh, sitcoms and novelas and all that shit, and, and Latin American countries is because... Like, we are the ones that really go through it. Like, we put ourselves in crazy-ass positions, and we're like, yo, like, some drama, drama that you're like, wow, you would never in this cookie-cutter household experience, you know, like like stepchildren of this ch child, of this child, and, you know, it's like things that go back to slavery for our, for our people that, like, we've just been dealing with shit, like, way more serious shit from a, you know, early on, or earlier in the years, you know, standpoint. So nah, like that's that's a fact. Oh, yo, therapy, bro. I'm my mom has been telling me to get therapy for a while, and I'm like, yeah, right. Anyways, so let me, let me tell you about my story. And she's like, no, like you really need to. I'm like, mm -hmm, yeah. Anyways, so this is what I'm experiencing today. And she's like, Nick. No, and, and definitely, you 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 what you're saying about how it affects your creativity is so spot crazy. On, you know, it's like, you know, the the more that. I go and do the work, like, the better I am, the more that I am able to, like, you know, sh like, turn the demons off, 
and like just focus and you know one step in front of yeah you know one foot in front of the other because that's that stuff it paralyzes you absolutely you don't do anything you know meanwhile it's like you just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other and doing the work doing the work doing the work you know what i mean and and therapy helps with that how many years were you married i was married for 10 years wow and we were together for 13 years all together and so therapy helped you with that to get over that situation Fuck, I lived with somebody for three years and it felt like we were married. And I'm dealing with that and I'm like, damn, how? How? And somebody's married for, you did a bid. You did a bid. You're going to have to, it's either you want to get married or you don't because the way you talk about marriage, like that bid shit, it's like it's low key lockdown. Like you're, there's some, it sounds like something you're afraid of almost. I'm a Gemini. I'm a Gemini, so I have extreme commitment issues, but also it's generational for me. Like, I've seen several generational fucked up marriages. My parents have a great one, God bless them, but, like, the people before them were not, you know, whatever, and I, it, you know, it's not till recently that I, I saw what what it took to really stick it out and to, like, not just be like, I don't like this, or I, I'm not fucking with that, and then just dip. Like, that's my Gemini in me that's like, oh, you think you're going to, all right, nigga, I'm out. You know what I mean? Like, but then you still go back because you're like, but you're my best friend, so hold up. But, you know, it's it's just an ugly, messed up cycle, but God has been teaching me my lesson, and, you know, that's just where I'm at. That's good. That's where we all at. Do you want to try to do, like, uh, a series of, remember we did it, first episode, Quick Fires? And then, are you, <laughs> we do, we do like this extra little segment called uh, G.O.D., Get Out Diana, where it's like we talk about La Otra. Do you have La Otra stories? <laughs> if you want to, I mean, we can, we can do another, you know, a La little extra. Like, like, you know, your man's other woman, like a story of another woman that kind of got you out of character or whatever. Or just like a situation where you absolutely lost it. Because I think that it's good to share that with women so that they could be like, oh, I'm not the only one. Okay. And then how do you come back from that? You know? We started this off because there was somebody before that completely, like, child's Kimmy. Kimmy completely lost it on her ex because he was, you know, in the room with a girl and everything just went. And her name was Diana, and she kept screaming at the girl from outside, get out, Diana, get out, Diana. She's not, but she she just burnt down and was like, get out, Diana, get out. So now every, you know, any situation that you break down, doesn't even have to be about, like, another woman or whatever, any situation where you break out, it's like, get out, Diana. Like, it's that's just, you know, our little segment. So real quick, though, just marinate on that, because that's going to be later on. But real quick, do you want to, do you want to? Um, mainly about like breakups. So, all right, quick fires, like a couple, like a sentence or two. Like, what do you do immediately after a breakup? <laughs> so, the, so the thing about this shit is like, y'all gotta remember who you talking to, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was married for so long. Again. I was married for so long, right? Okay. That like. I mean, and I've been divorced for four years. I haven't been in a relationship since I got divorced. I mean, I, you know, I have my little situations, but I haven't been invested, you know, in a relationship since then. And before that, it was marriage, yeah. you know? So I don't know. I don't even remember. Like, I, the last time I really, like, was in relationships was, like, pre-Facebook. Wow. 
That's what I mean by, like, remember who you're talking to here. You know, like, I don't have a series of recent breakups where I could be like, this is what I do. You know what I mean? Like, I, I haven't been, you know? I've seen people, but not, it hasn't been relationships, you know? Right. What do you love most about yourself? What do I love most about myself? Mm-hmm. Um, I think my reverence, which mm-hmm. I do get from my mother, you know? My mother is, was like the kind of person that like would walk into a, a supermarket and try to negotiate the price. What? You know, like it's like, ma, like you're not it's the tag. Yeah, it's the tag. <laughs> yeah, like but I'd be like, ma, like you're not in like a you know a marketplace, you know, in a plaza somewhere. Like this is a supermarket on 67th Street. That's like, so funny. You she know, she was in La Placita real quick. But she taught me that like you know anything is possible, and don't be so like hung up on how it's gonna come off. And I think like. That I have that irreverence, and that is how I'm like daring to be like, oh, I'm a single mom, but I'm a DJ, I'm a filmmaker, you know, whatever, without having anybody do that before me, you know, like I don't have like a direct role model, you know, I'm kind of making this up as I go along, mm-hmm. but it's because of my irreverence. Right. You know? What brings you peace? What brings me peace? DJing brings me peace. Yeah. It's like Nirvana and shit. <laughs> do you remember like a magical moment, or it was just like? Did it ever like look like a movie at some point? Like you just kind of felt it all over. Like by peace, what do you mean? Yeah, no, it's it's like something else takes over, you know. And it's it sometimes like, oh my god, Christian and fucking Susie are gonna clown me for this shit. They're gonna be like, oh, you know, they're gonna be like putting flowers in my hair, flower child and shit. But I mean, like at the Rosie Perez party, there's been times where like. I look out and like if I'm really in the zone, the crowd to me kind of looks like like people's faces meld into each other and it looks kind of like a wave, you know? Yeah. Like and you just like riding it and you know and, you know yeah like it turns into like a body of water or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The ocean. I'm sorry, yeah. the ocean though, the water. Yeah. Like you're very connected to that. Yeah. That like, spirit. Like total wave mode, you know? I think that's when you know you're operating in your gift when like you something else takes over it's not you you're just a vessel that's when you know you're operating yeah i literally said to my sister just a couple hours ago one of my younger sisters um that i you know i oftentimes have like other women um whether younger or older or my same age um that will come up to me at parties or like you know sometimes i do panels and things and people are like yo it's so dope you know, like what you were saying, like you're a mom and you're Dominican, you're from uptown and you're doing your thing and so dope is so dope. And I really don't even like take that like about me being so dope. For me, what it is, I, the way I think of it is that I represent a possibility, right. you know, that yeah. people want for themselves. Like it's not about me. It's about the possibility, you know, whether right. it's somebody that's trying to be like, you know, an, an architect or, you know, whatever. Um, and has the, you know, the kind of the odds stacked against them right. when they see me doing my thing. They're like, and so it's not about like, oh, they want to be a DJ or, or Loida or Lalo or this or the third. It's just that possibility, you know? And that's it's beautiful. important for us that's to beautiful. see that, you know? That's definitely the quote I'm going to use when we, <laughs> when we put this on Instagram. Like, I represent a possibility. That's amazing. That's, that's powerful. That's, that's powerful as fuck. That's powerful. What's next? What's next? I'm, I know the Rosie party's coming up next. Nick, you're coming. That one's to raise proceeds for um, uh, 
the yeah. hurricane relief. So that's this Thursday PR. on the fifth. Yeah. yeah. Um, and SOBs is at SOBs. Early. It's early, seven, seven. to twelve, because we want you know elders to be able to come out. You know, people that can't be out like at three o'clock in the morning. You yeah. know, we want yeah, them yeah, to yeah, yeah. feel like they can come and be in community. Um, so that's you know this um, Thursday the fifth mm-hmm. at SOBs. Um, I know we definitely want to bring the party, um, you know, at some point out to the Caribbean. Um, that you know, would be Puerto Rico, amazing. DR, Cuba. Um, I'm working on the film. Um, so that's like a huge thing for me. And I'm trying to actually mm-hmm. do like a real big production push this fall. So I'm about to kind of go into ostrich mode and um, which is requiring me figuring out a lot of stuff of like, how do I cut out? the excess to be able to just stick my head in the sand and, and, and get this done. Right. Um, yeah, and then, you know, just, like, trying to be out here and, you know. Yeah, Yeah. You know, because I'm also trying to, like, live and have a good time, you right, know. Right, right. That's beautiful. Bag some honeys. Bag some, yes. Yes. Like, seriously. So, you know, public yes. service announcement. <laughs> <laughs> applications. DM me for applications. <laughs> That's beautiful. I guess in that note, do you have anything else? Thank you so much for talking to us. Um, Thank you. Do you can't wait to see what's next for you. Apaga la luz. Por enfermedad, tu estado social.